Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Tuesday's episode of the podcast. Um, As you can tell from not hearing Georgia's voice, it's just me today. Georgia has gone off for a week's holiday, well-deserved. She has been working her absolute butt off. uh, So she's gone off with the family. So it's just me taking today's podcast. Um, Before we get into the chat, which I've literally just done, you are going to absolutely love today's conversation. I just wanted to give you guys a little update on my... um, uh, my boob lump, which I was obviously talking about last week on the podcast. Very, very good news. Um, went through all of my, had a mammogram, had um, a scan done, so like an ultrasound, and I had an examination by the specialist. And basically, I've got four small cysts on my left boob, which showed up in the ultrasound, but completely normal. Um, it was actually a really scary experience. I think I was holding on to it quite tightly. Anybody that's been through, um, you know, a lump scare, it's not the nicest time to kind of wait and you do feel very frightened, but really, really happy to say that it was a positive result and I'm absolutely fine. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all your lovely messages on Instagram. Obviously October is breast cancer awareness month, but every month really. Um, and actually really interestingly, I, I said to the specialist, I said, Oh, you know, I, I, I check my boobs two or three times in the shower every week. And he was like, well, you don't need to do it that much. He was like, you need to do it twice a month. And he said, the shower is not a very good place to do it because unless you've got very small boobs, you won't be able to get around them. So he said, you need to lie back on the bed, lift your arm above your head and have a good feel around. So, and he was like, do it twice a month and then you'll detect any changes. So for anybody listening that needed a bit of advice around that, let's make sure that we are checking our boobs, ladies. Um, I also wanted to say that there was the most beautiful amazing person sitting opposite me in the waiting room who gave me the most incredible smile. And when I went in to have my scan, I really thought about her. I knew she was sitting outside waiting. It was going to make me feel quite emotional actually. And the way she looked at me and smiled at me, it was like an old friend reconnecting with me. It was really weird. I can't describe it anyway. I talked about her in the kitchen when we got home, just thinking I would never hear from her again. And then about an hour after that, she sent me a message on Instagram and we've now become Instagram pals. And it was just so lovely. Um, and she said that she listens to the podcast every single week. So I just wanted to send her a little bit of love because I'm hoping she'll be listening to today. Uh, and just to say thank you for the kind smile. Um, we need to get into today's chat. It was an absolute corker. You're going to love it. Amazing to hear from a father. Um, great to have a male voice, actually. We covered everything from parenting through grief to toddler tantrums to how we raise boys in 2023. Um, and he gave some really fascinating kind of insights into how fathers can get involved, how they can support their partners, and just how he navigates being a father and also how he navigated losing his mum. Yeah, it was a beautiful chat. So, well, I was going to ask Georgia who we're chatting to today, but today we are talking to Blake Cosmire. Please welcome to today's podcast. Hopefully I'm going to get his surname right because it means something absolutely amazing. Please welcome Blake Cosmire. Yay! Did I say it right? Nailed it. 
perfect. Nailed it. Would you like to tell us what it means? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it means cheese master or cheese maker in German. Well, this is why I know this conversation is going to be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> um, Blake, we normally start off the podcast by asking our guests how they are. Tell us how your morning's going because you're not here in the UK. Where are you? Uh, yeah, I'm in Glendale, California. It's uh, just like a little suburb of Los Angeles. Um, you know, I've had, it's 8 a.m. where I am. I think it's 4 p.m. where you are. I've had a day. I've had a whole day in the in the few hours before that we, we've talked on the phone. And I think it's such a, a funny little part of being a parent is, is you'll get somewhere and you'll, you'll c- come into your first meeting and the person that's on the other side of the line is like, getting their coffee and like they still have, you know, they're, they're getting their hair done. They're, they're just figuring their life out. And you're like, I have been wrangling children. Like I have had a whole life. I've had a, a an emotional spectrum that you probably wouldn't have in a week in the, in the few hours before this call. So that's a very dramatic way of saying, you know, we've had, uh, we're making dinosaur pancakes. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're feeding our, uh, I have a, a three and a half year old and an eight month old. And so similar in age, very different developmentally. So it's a lot of interesting challenges. Wow. So I just want to take you back to your dinosaur pancake comment, because first question is, why would you ever start um, when something is just, you know, as simple as a circle or like a mangled circle? Why would you ever then decide, do you know what? I'm just going to turn this into a minefield. You know, so it started with, I blame YouTube. Um, We had normal, (laughs) regular round pancakes before. And my son, my three-year-old caught wind of this I mean, they're an artisan on on YouTube of making pancake everything. So like it can make dinosaurs, Mickey Mouse, SpongeBob, any any character you can think of out of pancakes. And so like, you know, he he put out a challenge and uh, we bought like squeeze bottles. There's a whole kit you can get. And we, you know, invested in all of this and realized, oh, wow, this is going to be every morning for the rest of our lives. (laughs) This isn't a cute little like thing that we just decided to do on a Sunday. Like it's Monday morning. Where am I? you know, dinosaur, where are my triceratops pancakes? Do you know, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day and I had to check myself in the kitchen because I've got three children. They're all different ages, 10, seven and five. And I suddenly looked around and I was like, why am I sweating? Why have I got a sweaty top lip? Why do I feel like I'm a chef in a five-star hotel? Because I was making porridge for one child, uh, you know, uh, dippy eggs with soldiers for another child, eggy bread with fruit salad and yogurt. And I was just like, it's fucking Tuesday. Like we have to be out the door in 12 minutes. What was I trying to do to myself? So now I'm like, you know, it's fruit or cereal during the week. And then at the weekends we'll do scrambled eggs. And I just, I'm not, I'm not here to just cook for them all the time. I learned my lesson. Do you do dinner as well or does somebody else do dinner? Yeah, a bit of both. Yeah. yeah. Which do you think is harder? Well, because I've got one child that doesn't eat meat and one child that's gluten-free and the other child that's 90% sausage. So, you know, each mealtime, Blake, has its has its struggles. What, what do you think? <laughs> so <laughs> it's really hard to say. I, I, You know, we just started preschool. And so that, right. now we have a deadline. Before that, we had these kind of open-ended, I work from home, like lingering mornings. So yeah. it could be breakfast could end up happening hour after it's supposed to happen, you know? And now, and then dinner was the real stressful thing because my my three again you have a picky three-year-old and they're you know i have a very my wife is very easy to please i do most of the cooking of the house if you can't figure that out and like i would put myself the pancake situation is one that's like repeated everywhere right so like we would get like uh we have this service called blue apron here i don't know if you have it there blue apron. basically yeah they ship you a box of ingredients and a recipe and um, it's to kind of mix things up. And so my wife and I will get a blue apron and like it's everything is portioned out perfectly, right? It's like the yes. perfect amount of salt, the perfect amount of time. We have HelloFresh. Exactly. We have HelloFresh too. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and so, you know, I will get the Hello the HelloFresh recipe. I'll make it. It'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. And I'll be like, oh my God, we have to add this to our repertoire. Because like I, during the pandemic, I made every meal that we ate. We ate out twice wow. in like two and a half years, two years. Um, wow. And so, you know, my wife is exhausted with my cooking. Like it, like tired of it doesn't even, you know, so when we get <laughs> these things, so I'm like, cool. All right. We're making panko crusted chicken with, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a balsamic reduction on top of mashed potatoes and whatever. It works that mm. one time in HelloFresh. And then I'm trying to put all of this stuff together. And my, my three-year-old is changing his mind every two minutes, right? Oh, Yeah. First, it's French fries. Then it's a, a, a peanut butter and jelly, which is super easy, right? And then it's oh no, wait, I want macaroni and cheese, which is a fifteen minute operation. You know, like so. I'm I'm 
I admire your uh, juggling skills, basically. The juggling skills. Well, basically, the one thing, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Blake, is that I that I can't have is when I do cook, then I put it down and they go, oh, yuck. It's like I've served dog turd. You know, it's like, what is this? And I'm like, this is my finest fish fingers in a wrap, my friend. And you made it perfectly the day before and they ate it no problem. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Blake, I'd love to find out a little bit more about you because I really, I love your videos on Instagram. I love, you know, the content that you create. I love, you know, following you as a father and kind of watching how you interact with the kids. Just tell us how you came to be the Blake that sits here today in terms of the content that you make. Uh, you know, this is a likely story that you've, if you've talked to people who do what I do before, um, I, I've been making stuff for a really long time. I've been, um, you know, since there was an internet, I'm, I'm 40. I have been writing blogs or making YouTube videos or whatever the thing is. I've always, I've been compelled to write. I'm a creative director and copy, uh, sorry, I'm a copywriter and creative director professionally. <sighs> About uh, almost two years ago now, um, I started making videos in earnest on, on TikTok um, that are just these sort of short vignettes of our world. And they started getting traction. Um, and for the first time in the 20 some odd years since I've been making things, people have actually been looking at it, right? Mm. Um, which is awesome. Um, and it's so funny because I tell people like, oh, I, I have no idea how this happened. And it's like, well, Blake, you made about 700 videos in a row. <laughs> um, and posted one every single day and yeah. eventually somebody was going to see one. Um, yeah. and so, and, and so that's, and now I've, I've built a really, a really cool community around the stuff that I make. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, I, I guess that's, that's how I got to where I am now. It's, it's sort of weird cause I'm still in the middle of it. You know, I, I'm very yeah. much getting used to people like as, as talented as you, like having a conversation with me and saying something like that. So thank you. Well, I mean, it's a, it's such a treat to get you on the podcast. And I think, I think for me, what really stands out is obviously you are, you know, you have the most beautiful way with words, but I love the way that you talk about grief. And I think, mm. you know, when I, when I read that you lost your mum back in 2018 and how you sort of navigated, um, you know, dealing with life whilst dealing with grief, I lost my dad in 2013, uh, just literally out of nowhere, just died. And I think it was only when I became a parent that the grief really started to sort of build up and bubble up. And it was like, even though he never met my children, having my baby, my first child was like, it all came flooding back. So I, I really wanted to talk to you about parenting through grief today, because I think, I think, you know, for anybody that, that has been through what we've been through with it, losing a parent, I'd, I'd love to kind of, to kind of, I guess, gauge where you are with it and how to navigate it. I think lots of people will be looking for a, a bit of that today. Yeah, I had a very similar, thank you for saying that. I had a very similar experience and oh, I'm sorry for your loss. I mean, that's, it's, I guess, given you the age of your kids, I feel like yours kind of fell about the same, um, mm. about where mine was as well. Um, I, I had no, uh, I had, I didn't have an appreciation for what my mom did. I think mm. until you have kids, right? Uh, my mom had me at 23, which is sort of is, is pretty young. And I think back to dealing with what I have now and having to process that as a 23 year old is really intense. And so there's this great sense of like, just of gratitude that you can't express, right? Like, I can't believe I like, I just, it, it's tremendous that she managed all of that, right? Like I'm, I'm a 40 year old man. And I'm struggling to keep up every day. And, yeah. and just to have this appreciation, thinking of myself as a 23-year-old, like I could I barely take care of myself. Um, and then, then there's like the idea that like you can you want to share this stuff with them, right? There's mm. this constant impulse to like grab your phone and ah, this is like the thing or whatever. That's one thing. And then there's your kids sort of understanding the world. And you have to kind of communicate to them like, okay, mom has these two parents and dad has this parent and these people over here, but he doesn't have this parent. Oh, well, mm. where is this parent? Uh, well, this parent is, uh, they're no longer here. Um, well, what does their house look like? Well, buddy, they, they don't have a house um, because they, they're not here anymore. Oh, okay. Um, well, what where kind are of car they? do they drive? Yeah. Where mm. are they? Like all those mm. questions. Right. And, mm. um, and that doesn't get easier. So, I mean, there's, I think all this is to say that for years you can, and I, I've spent a lot of time on grief. I, I made a podcast about grief, but yeah, you can, 
you cannot process it in some ways. You know, you cannot address it. You don't have to see it every day. And when you have a child, like it's it's part of your life because, yeah, that's how they understand. They're, they're still understanding the world. What, what do you, what do you say? Because I guess you're obviously your eight, nine month old, you know, it's not asking you to to write a dialogue about about your mom and, and how she died. But what, what, what do you say to your eldest about it? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I tell him, I tell him that he had a grandmother that loved him very much um, mm. and that she, I'm not a religious person, that she, I just tell him that she is no longer here anymore. She doesn't, um, we, unfortunately, we had an incident with a lizard in the backyard. <laughs> the lizard- okay. It was an adorable little lizard, like a baby lizard, um, and it got run over. And we had to have this really intense conversation about death with a three and a half year old in our in our driveway. Did 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 he see the lizard getting run over? No, but he saw the aftermath. He saw the aftermath. Okay, yeah. So there was, I guess, there was a, a dead baby lizard in our backyard, and he he, you know, it's trying to understand it. Like, what can we do for it? How can we help it? How can we? And I'm like, buddy. Things, you know, things just die. Like sometimes mom's plants, we have to throw them out. You know, this this lizard, this is the end of its life. Um, and the, explaining to him that what happened, that my mom is sort of in the lizard place kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, to tell him that like, oh, okay, like he's seen lizards move around. He's seen them run. And now he's seen one that can't do that anymore. And he kind of understands that binary. And so that helped. It was a weird moment. Um and so we've used that story a few times when he asks about about her. Um but mostly yeah, it's just that she's she's no she's not here. She loved you is a is yeah. a big important thing, you know. Yeah. And we and we try and talk about it like that instead of saying she would have loved this or she would have, you know, she she did love this, you know. Mm. Um try and make it more present tense. Trying to trying to keep trying to keep the person alive through talking about them, I think is really beautiful. And I think when people die, we have this really weird feeling that we can't speak about the dead. You know, we're not, we know, we, we don't want to talk about grief. And I understand that grief, you know, is such a personal thing that when you're ready to discuss it, if you want to discuss it, I'll, I'll have the conversation or everybody wants to, but I'm very much like, you know, I'm here to talk about my dad and I want my kids to know about their grandfather. So I want to tell them things about his life. When the big questions come up about how he died, I don't know what to tell them and what not to share with them. Like, for example, we drove past a funeral directors the other day and and my daughter who's reading, she was like, oh, fun- funeral, what's in there? And I said, oh, well, that's where you go when someone dies and she was like what do you mean here we go right i'm diving in buckle up you know like i just i you know and she was like but where are the dead bodies and i was like uh they're in a morgue and she was like what's a morgue and suddenly we were talking about you know bodies being pulled out of fridges and i suddenly thought are you you're seven is that too much for you to handle or is this do you want to know can you like you know there's no manual on it it's very hard to get it right and i will say that in the age that we live in there is this perception that that the answer exists, right? I think back to what we were talking about, about my, mo- my mom having me when I was uh, mm. 23. Um, she got a lot of things right. She got a lot of things wrong. Um, and I'm more or less okay uh, as an adult now. I think that there is this perception that somebody has written the book on grief and you as a parent just have failed. You've, you haven't done the research. You haven't Googled how to talk to your kids about what they see when they pass by this thing. And, and you probably feel this intense like, Oh crap, I didn't do enough. Like I should have prepared for this moment. And I think that's a really weird thing because I think yeah. that the reality is most of these conversations happen to parents organically like that and the answers that we give in that moment are probably may well not perfect. They're probably pretty good and pretty well suited to the way that humans develop. I mean, I'm not a child psychologist, but like that's how that's how you and I were probably raised. And not that our generation is yeah. perfect and not that our parents didn't make mistakes, but they did get some things right. And I think that having natural conversations like that, I don't know. I think that that is a a good and decent way for the kids to to learn, especially in the mistakes that you make, right? And the, and the mm. things that you get wrong and the, and the follow-up questions that they have. That's way more interesting than, okay, I sat down with the grief a ebook that I bought yeah. from some influencer. <laughs> yeah, and for like 6.99. I hit bullet, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I hit bullet point like whatever, three, four, and five. Like I, I just I don't think that that's the way that maybe we're supposed to 
to address these things with our kids. We're supposed to feel uncomfortable. We're supposed to feel unprepared. You and I are learning just as much as they are. Mm, such a good point. H- how do you feel about having those big conversations with your boys as they get older? Have you have you taken yourself there in your head yet? Or are you just surviving day to day? <laughs> I mean, I it's I before we had him, I had these ambitious ideas about plans like that, you know? And then when you're actually in like hand-to-hand combat, terrible metaphor. Um <laughs> it, it just it's so hard to kind of get some some foresight. Um you know, our, my general rule with my kid is, is just to be like super present. Right. So like when I'm with him, it's, uh, and my, both of my kids, um, if I am like, I feel like if I'm really there, if I'm sitting in front of him and I'm like earnest and giving him what I have, like that's, that's probably as good as anything I'm going to read in a book. Right. It's not, and reading books is good. I actually have, you sent over some questions and I had like an answer. And one of those answers is like a series of books. So like, I don't want to like shoot myself in the foot now, but like, I think, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, my, my plan for those conversations when they come up is really just to treat them as I've treated almost everything up until now is just to be present and honest and vulnerable and and give them the best part of myself. And I don't think it can go wrong after that. I was going to ask you how, what your plan is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. No one asks me questions on this podcast. No, I'm joking. Um, yeah, my plan is to, to really like hit those conversations head on with, with, with gentle kindness and love, because I, I, I always want my children to know that like, I'm not their best friend, but I'll always tell them, I'll always be there for them, but I'll always tell them, you know, what I think is, is, is right or, or, or the, the kind thing to do or the best thing to do. And I'm never going to scoot around those conversations, but I grew up in a household where my dad had my mum and then two girls and we were, you know, discussing, you know, sex and periods and hormones and feelings and, you know, emotion around the the dinner table every single night. So there wasn't a topic that was off limits for us. And I really want to have that in our, in our home too, so that I know that the kids can come to me and say, you know, this has happened and I need to talk to you about it. And I'm just going to be there. You know, I I don't want any of that, like Stepford wife shit where it's like, Oh, go and talk to the neighbor. You know, I don't, yeah, (laughs) that's not us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Very similarly. Like I was raised, Mm. um, that's how I was raised. Uh, it, yeah, my parents were divorced, um, right. and my mom. Uh, I was my mom for the majority of the time. And um, you said something about not having your kids be your friends, but mm-hmm. also being candid. And like that was very. I mean, that just struck a chord with me because that was the challenge, sort of, with my mom because she was so young, because we were so isolated. Um, and so that's something I try to be mindful with my kids. I think that's that's a really interesting insight. Like, hey, like. I'm going to be available and vulnerable to you without having to be your buddy all the time with all of this stuff. Um, because that's not healthy. T- tell me a little bit about that because I had a very similar situation with my mom. We were like best friends, but then when your best friend doesn't perform in the way that you feel they should, you suddenly think, well, fuck, where's my mom? And then when your mom's not there, you've only got a best mate. You're like, shit. So yeah, I, um, I'm going to be interested to hear this. My mom gave up a lot to raise me. Uh, she moved to LA when she was uh, in her early 20s to be, to, to, to do what people do when they come to LA, right? And she had these, my mom was gorgeous. Uh, you know, I have a, a whole like a um, tote full of her old like headshots and stuff like that. Yeah. And she, when she got pregnant with me and um, started this life and, and divorced my dad, um, she went on the other side of the camera and was a producer and was a, um, a, a, a artist representative, representative photographers and stuff like that. So there's a whole part of her that just never, there's a, a whole artisan side of her that just never got realized. Right. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think that she really encouraged me to go do those things um, because she, she couldn't do those things because she had given those things up to raise me. And so we had this, relationship where and she so she gave up that professionally and then socially she was a 23 year old woman who had a kid right in in LA there weren't a lot of other people like her around her and so I kind of became the de facto the person the person to Mm. do things with Mm. you know and um and that led to some I was I think I got to experience some really cool things I also likely got to experience some inappropriate things for a kid. I mean, nothing like terrible. No, I get what you're saying. That's a bit, uh, 
it's a bit emotionally heavy for like an 11 year old to like sure. be sitting here while you're processing your, your, the breakup with your boyfriend, right? Like yeah. things like that, where it's like, okay, it's not like, not terrible, but it is a bit much for a kid. Um, and it, I think, I think you, you pointed out on this, it did, did create a weird dynamic sometimes around sort of like codependencies about like, yes. oh, wow. Like we're such good friends that, um, you know, when we let each other down, it kind of means something different than a, a mother's son. And these are things that we processed as she got older, um, after, or as I got older, rather, as I got out of the house, I moved out yeah. when I was 18, um, and was able to get some perspective. And I think we did a lot of healing in our relationship after like, did you? You know, from like 20 yeah. to yeah on, but yeah, I think, yeah, I just, that, that, when you said that, it very, it, it did strike a chord with me. It was very interesting. We'll be right back after this short break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? It's very difficult and it's something that I, it's probably the one thing, I don't know about you, but it's the one thing that I'm really hell bent on getting right because even though obviously my parents did their best like we all do and they were absolutely incredible, the codependency between myself and my mother, I don't want that for me and my kids. Like I need them to know that I am their parent and yes, I'm going to be there and, and I want to be their friend and I'll hold their hand through anything. At the same time, if they if they're doing something wrong or, you know, they're too young to do something, they're just not going to have free reign to do what they want when they want. And that's what I had. And I think there's a danger of falling off the rails younger if you don't have, you know, there was just no rules. There, It was just such a free moving thing. But then if you're 14, there's no rules. What do you do? Just fucking go and do everything. Um, but I guess maybe yeah. some people would say if there were too many rules, you just fucking go and do anything anyway. So that's 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 yeah. the, that's parenting in a nutshell, isn't it? It's like, do you pull them in too hard yeah. or do you let them go and then they go anyway? Yeah. My mom's general rule was that she didn't care so much. She trusted that I would make good decisions. Um, mm. And that trust in and of itself made you make good decisions, better decisions. Yeah. Um, and she was she wanted to know where I was and who I was with. And that was kind of the, the key. So I, you know, she was familiar with my group of friends and we lived in a small town. So with those, right. those three things, one, I trust you to make good decisions. I trust that the people you're with are going to make good decisions. And I know kind of where you are in town. You can't, Fish. you can't fuck up too bad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just at the beginning of cell phones. Um, so, you know, real time communication was, I could, I could commu communicate to her in real time. So I mean, that was, yeah, I think those, those those barriers, those guidelines kind of helped me. Do you think you do the same with your boys? Do you think the world has no changed idea. so much that you can't do that? It's so weird because now some of those barriers, I mean, those ha that happens in your own house. It doesn't matter where they go, right? Yeah. I, I want to empower them to make good decisions and I want to give them that trust. But again, like there are things that they're going to be doing on their phones and um, online. That, so that's something I have read books about. Um, and uh, that's something that just stokes fear. Like I, I, the farther I go down that rabbit hole, like the scarier it gets. And that's when I'm like, hey, look, you got to trust that you're making a good human. Like you got to trust mm -hmm. that you're helping them and empowering them to make good decisions and that they're comfortable. Like you said, I'm not your best friend, but I'm always here for you to talk. And I'm, I am the problem solver. So if you have the problem, like I am Give the person who... Even if I don't know how to fix it, I know the person to talk to you to fix it, right? Because at some point, I'm just not going to be cool. I'm really cool right now to a three and a half year old. That's not going to last. 
And I want him to know that like, hey, at least I might know the guy who is cool who does have the answer or the girl who is cool and does have the answer. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, yeah. that Again, like the the farther I dig down that like, oh, what what are your kids are doing online rabbit hole? Just the less, <laughs> the less good I feel about it. It's not like it's empowering yeah. me. It's just scaring me. Agreed. How yeah. how do you cope? Because I imagine you're we 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 we. I mean, look, they're the terrible twos, but we call them the testing twos. I guess you're coming out the other side of them slightly with your eldest. But how do you cope with those monumental meltdowns that we've all experienced? Uh, so, just on that note, three has been so much worse than two. Two okay. was adorable. Three has been so intense. I don't know how I cope. I think that I'm. I again, I try and be present for him. I try and like take a. a pause and say, look, to me, it's just Play-Doh, right? Or it's to me, it's it's just that the pancake is in the wrong shape. To him, he is just discovering this whole spectrum of emotions and he is like pushing into the edges of it to see like, oh, what does this feel like? Or what does this feel like? And sometimes he gets this momentum in his emotions and he just can't control where it goes. Mm. And so I... I just try and be there with him. I just try and write it out. I'm also super privileged, again, to like work from home and have an awesome partner um, that we can always get each other's backs. But like, I mean, this shit happens, right? Like you're trying, like I'm trying to get on this podcast this morning and he is like totally like losing his shit. He knows. And, <laughs> he knows you're trying to do right. something. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and I know, here's here's the, here's the annoying answer. I'll give you the annoying answer. Um. If I match his energy, right, if he's freaking out and then I freak out at him for freaking out, it just amplifies it. And and the end result is in 10, 15 minutes, he's going to be neutralized and I'm going to feel like shit, right? If I come down and I just try and be present with him and know that whatever's going on right now with him has nothing to do with me, then... In 10 to 15 minutes, he's going to be neutralized. The same thing that would happen if I would have freaked out, except he and I are both not going to feel like shit, right? Like that's, it's like, hey, after all of this, the result is going to be the same. The result is going to be a kid sitting on the couch, you know, eating ice cream or whatever it is. Um, How we get there and how we feel about ourselves afterwards is the thing that's different. Now, I will say with like total compassion for parents out there, like it is the hardest thing in the fucking world not to go there with them. It's the yeah. hardest thing in the world not to let their emotions invoke emotions in you because it's so frustrating. If you can ride it out with them, if you can just take a moment to detach yourself and say, hey, like this has, again, this has nothing to do with me. At the end of it, the result will be the same and you will feel significantly better about yourself, which it's is very sort true. of selfish. No, no. I think it's amazing. I think I think you can, you're able to do that. I think if you, you have to go through a, f- a few of those where you you know, your child is raising here and coming up, coming up, and you're coming up, coming up, and there's a horrible end to, you know, what isn't a great situation. I think sometimes you almost have to experience that to think that's no good for me. That's no good for them. There's no shame in that. I've done it, you know, count more than a few times. And and now I try to look at it and, and have a different approach. Whereas it's almost like watching a movie happen. Like I just check myself out of it. I'm there for them, but I don't invest emotionally to that level because, you can't reason with them in those moments. And there's almost something chemically going on in their brain, which just keeps bringing them up, 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 up. So you just have to stand firm, don't you? Be calm, get down to their level and, and try. But it is so hard, like you said. It is exhausting. It, yeah, it is. And again, it's so tempting to do it, you know, to escalate with them, I think, yeah. for people. Yeah. Um, because it's really frustrating that you're nothing you're doing is working. And everything that they're asking for is not the thing that they actually want. And because yeah. they don't, they don't know what they want. But yeah, we, no, we, we, we grew up in, a, in an age where men, you know, weren't necessarily uh, allowed in inverted commas to show their emotions and to cry in front of their children. I think I saw my dad cry once. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about the emotions. You know, we've talked about our kids emotions on us, you know, what you show them. And, you know, are you are you able to to to, to go there with them on that level emotionally? And has your son seen you cry maybe around your mom or anything? Because it's interesting from a man's point of view. I think maybe it's easier for women to cry in front of people. But I wanted to sort of check in with you on on that side of it as a father. I mean, look, the rate of suicide in men in my generation outpaces women. Uh, at such a dramatic rate, like, hey, guys, 
we, we fucking got it wrong. <laughs> like yeah. whatever we were doing, that's not the thing to do. So, um, I mean, just to st- statistically on paper, like we're, we're not, we messed this up. And so I think anything other than the way that that was done to us is probably a good way forward. And, um, being emotionally vulnerable for my child in a lot of ways, it's like, look, if I'm, and he, they, you just pick up so quickly how much they mirror behavior. Right. Um, I had this thing where we came home and, um, we'd gone to the store across the street, walked up and my wife has an instinct to lock doors whenever we leave. And she had locked the back door and I didn't have my keys. And, um, it's something that we always kind of joke about, um, about, paranoia, whatever. So, uh, she, I knock on the door and she comes back and unlocks it. And my three-year-old is with me. And I go, I just say like offhandedly, like, God, like, why do you always lock the door? Right. Every time my son and I come home now, he says to my wife, God, why do you always lock lock the door? (laughs) Wow. Like a sponge. And I, and, and I have this, I have this regret every time he does it. I was like, that wasn't a way I was proud that I talked to my wife. Like that was kind of a yucky moment for me. And that's now he models that and mirrors that. Now, if we scale that to the way we process the world, to like the way we deal with death, to the way we deal with like sad things, that's how he mirrors this one time that I walked into the back of the house. Like, how does that magnify into how he thinks he's supposed to feel or express his emotions? You know what I mean? So it's really a responsibility to, to make sure that he sees how it's done right, even if it's uncomfortable for me to do that in front of him, which candidly, like I was raised by hippies. Like it's not that hard for me. Um, I was really lucky, but I, I, that is an an instance in which I saw my behavior just having such a massive impact on him. And after seeing that, it was like, God, like, yeah, just magnified across everything else. Yeah. You have to be, you do have to be super, super careful. And, and, and like you said, they just, they hear everything, they see everything. And I think with the emotion side of it, like, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like it's okay for us to, you can't have all the laughter without the tears. They have to know that we're not just robots, that we're humans. And, and that side of it is really important, especially to our boys. I I don't know if you feel as much of a responsibility to raising a son, but for me, it feels like a bigger mountain to climb because it's 2023 and we have to raise good boys, you know, vulnerable, but strong. And, you know, that they're able to talk about their emotions, that it's not just lock and key. Bye. I was terrified. I was terrified when we found out that we were having boys. Right. Like the, my, my first son, I was just like, Oh my God. Like right now it was in the middle of me, the me too stuff that was happening. Um, all of this sort of, uh, which again, these are amazing things that were happening in the world, really important conversations that, that were happening, great accountability. Um, but I was very scared having a boy mm-hmm. because, um, yeah. my generation did not have that kind of accountability and men behaved terribly. Um, they're good men, of course, but to have to have that responsibility of raising a son, it's, it's messed up. It's like, Hey, now that, now that men are held to a legitimate standard, things are becoming very hard to raise them in some yeah. ways, which is good. And it's important. And, uh, but yeah, it was, I was, I was scared when I found out I was going to have a boy. Mm. And, and was that, and was that partly, were you looking at yourself when it was happening? Was was that like a, was that a reflection? I don't think there's a man. Well, I, I hope there isn't a man who didn't see those things happening and have some hard conversations with themselves. Hmm. I yeah, absolutely. Like I think that that was a. I, I can tell you this too that behind closed doors with men, we were having conversations about having that accountability. Oh man, like I thought I was a pretty progressive guy. And like, I look at the team that I built at work and I look at the people on that team and I look at the people who I talk to and I look at the email exchanges I have and the way I talk to these people versus these people. And can you believe it? Like me, this guy who voted for Obama twice, like I still behave like this, you know? And it was, I think even the best of us had, had moments of accountability during that time. I would Mm -hmm. hope. Mm. Yeah, I always say to my my husband every day, just remember, you're a strong, independent feminist. I say it to him every single morning before we wake up and he's like, yes, okay, I'm a feminist. I get it. And also don't forget to tell Kit to be strong, but cry if he wants to and be vulnerable. And it, like we have, and I'm like constantly with these things, but you know, coming in and out of our head because there is so the balance 
you know, it's such, it's on a knife edge, right? It's such a, there's such a fine line. And again, yeah. do we ever know if, if we're getting it right? I guess we don't. You just have to trust that we're raising good humans, good boys and girls. Yeah. Yeah. And like simple rules that you see raising kids is a good metaphor for it, right? Because at preschool, we, we our kid goes to a super pro- progressive preschool. We are also hippies. And, um, love that by the way. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's very easy to explain things at that level, right? Like, hey, mm-hmm. this kid is smaller. This kid is not as, as uh, some kids are behind verbally, right? They can't communicate as well. Uh, some kids are way, way advanced. Some kids are like really physical. And it's very easy to say, hey, bud, there are all of these people here. All of them matter to the same degree, but they do things differently. And so for this kid who doesn't talk as much, like we got to do some extra things to communicate with them, Mm. right? Um, For you who, I I don't, my, you know, my kid is, he likes to to run more, right? So like for you, you like to run more. This whole classroom has to accommodate you while you go run over here and do this stuff. You know, people are making allowances for everybody. And at the end of the day, you don't really notice too much and everybody has a better time. Very easy at preschool level, right? Yep scale that up to like what the world looks broadly. And it's like, it's a little bit harder, but hopefully if we're doing it here, we don't have to do it 30 years down the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really beautiful way of looking at it. Thank you. I, lo- I loved that. Um, I-, I feel like I could sit here and chat to you all day, but I realize you've got to get on with your day as well. But before we say goodbye, um, I would love to get, because I feel like you're a fountain of advice and knowledge. Um, I'd love to get um, the best piece of advice that you've ever been given as a parent or the piece of advice that you would give to a new parent listening today. Lower your expectations. Yeah, it, it was it was advice that was given to me when I, I, I was out on a bike ride with a good friend of mine who is a few years uh, farther down the road than I am. He had had two kids. Um, he was my, my training partner. We used to cycle together a lot. And so we're out cycling and he's a writer, a journalist. Um, he's interviewed all these famous people for big publications. And I was like, great, like I've got him alone and we're going up this hill. And, uh, the, the, the trick that you do with cyclists is that when they're they're when you're going up a hill with somebody, um, and you're starting to get your ass kicked, uh, and you want them to slow down, you ask them like a big insightful question about themselves and force them to talk so they can't ride as hard. And so I'm like, this is my, this is my fucking chance. And I turn over to him, I go, uh, Andy, any advice, any advice on raising kids? And he goes, lower your expectations. And I'm like, God damn it. And then <laughs> stormed up speech. the hill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good advice. But with that, but don't lose hope. And like those two together, work really well. And like lowering your expectations could be, hey, you know, I think my kids should be at these milestones that they're not, you know, and, yeah. and or lowering your expectations could be like, hey, I thought I was going to be the parent who was really chill with these meltdowns. And I'm not yeah. chill with these meltdowns. Um, the expectations could be, hey, I thought I was going to be the dad that made breakfast every single morning, right? Yeah. Are the kids like happy? Do, do they are they healthy? Are they fed? You've checked those boxes. Anything yeah. additive is great. Yeah. You know, anything okay. additive is is icing on the cake. I love that. That's brilliant. And I want to, I, obviously you're stateside, so your products might be slightly different, but are there any kind of diehard parenting products that you're using, you know, that you use daily, that you've always used, that you need to tell us about? The hatch. Do you guys have a hatch? What's a hatch? A hatch. Okay. I'll try not to punish you with too many stories, but um, the hatch is a sound machine. Um, it's a sound oh, like a white connects, noise thing. Exactly. That connects to your phone. And like, this is not a product placement for them. Um, although they're doing like, they're doing a pretty big, they're doing a pretty big campaign to target um, people in their, their twenties now, because these white noise machines are so helpful for like having good sleep. Um, so the hatch is amazing. It's all controlled by an app on your phone. Um, and so with, it's great for like sleep training, although we didn't technically sleep train, but um, it, it's a little like, um, almost like a little pyramid and yeah. it lights up. And so it's like this kind of like dim light in my son's room. And so he knows that when it's this color and it makes this sound, I'm in bed. And then when we, ch- it automatically changes to green at 620 in the morning and makes a different sound. And he knows, okay, then it's okay for me to get out of bed. And by the grace of God, it has worked. Um, and he doesn't leave oh his God, room. Does he follow that? Does he yeah. listen to that? Yeah. Wow. 
we just set up that boundary early on and it's just that he's never questioned it. And so, and so we use that again with nap time, uh, it, it automatically turns on. And so when the, when the light turns on and the noise starts coming on, he knows, okay, it's time for my nap. And that doesn't mean that he goes and puts himself down. We still have a whole fight, but he sure. knows that nap time is is coming. It's his cue. Okay, brilliant. I love that. We have something similar in the UK called the grow clock. It doesn't make a noise, but if it's if it's blue, then it's nighttime if there's moons around it. And then uh, every hour through the night, a moon disappears. And then at sunrise, it goes um, yellow, you know, like a sunrise color. That's and then they know, cool. they know at that point that they can then come out. But, you know, when you have a beautiful lunar bug, my daughter, she just ignores it. She'll just come in 5.45. Did you, did you wait for your clock? And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I go, okay, well, let's get up. Let's get on with the day then. Let's do it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, anything else um, that you yeah, love it? I mean, so I was going to recommend there's a book series called The Expectant Father Series by yeah. Armin Brat. I like, you know, if your partner is pregnant or if, if your partner's pregnant is when I really recommend getting it and you can skip most of it, except for the last chapter. Like if you're a terrible reader, the last chapter is the most practical stuff about having a newborn that you're actually going to need to know. Really right. great practical information. The book is very agnostic. Like it's not like, hey, if you're this type of parent or if you're progressive or if you're liberal or conservative, no politics involved. It is okay. a super hands-on, helpful parenting book. It's great for men. Um, and so- uh, the expectant father is good because it goes kind of month by month about what your par- par- uh, partner is experiencing and how you can help. Um, with our first, I'm sure you guys did this too. You're like, oh, he's he's the size of a grapefruit today. Oh, oh he's yeah. the size of an eggplant. Like, and you did all of the, the little things. Yeah, oh, I he's getting it. eyebrows. He's a watermelon. Yeah. Right. W- with your second, you're like, I don't know. I think yeah. I'm in my third trimester. We're about to have when a kid. When will it be over? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. If you're a first time parent, I recommend it because it okay. gives you the full experience of uh, as a as a partner for someone who's pregnant. It allows you to be involved and supportive. Um, Love that. Yeah. Okay. Which is super great. Like a lot of guys feel, I think, alienated in the pregnancy and then in the newborn phase, like you feel super alienated because you're like, oh, like baby wants mom all the time. And like all those kind of things, right? And so it really helps you figure out how to be useful and feel like a good parent, even though maybe parenting doesn't involve you actually touching your kid all the time. Like maybe parenting involves you, you know, getting your wife something to eat while baby's nursing. Um, Love this. So big fan of the Expectant Father series. If you have two kids, uh, this is like whatever, uh, a dual screen baby monitor um, is clutch you're going to realize this very quickly um when you get into the scramble of having two kids asleep at the same time when one used to stress you out (laughs) get ready for it now you've moved on to like advanced calculus and the last (laughs) thing um i would recommend is big fan of baby carriers so not like baby carriers are a blessing and a curse because you think you're going to be so much more productive wearing one than you actually are because you still have like this tiny child attached to you um, and you can't move in the way that you w- really want to move. Like I, I, we have a ergo ergo is the brand of baby character car- carrier. Yeah, that I yeah, use. yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are different ones and there. I think it's important to take time and make sure that you get one that fits right for your body. Um, because again, like postpartum moms, like the ergo isn't really great. Like my, it didn't work for my wife. Um, she used one by happy baby. Um, it okay. worked really well for her, but like, again, Everything doesn't fit everybody the same way. Take some time and get like a soft baby carrier because especially for dads, there's just nothing quite like having your baby in a carrier and walking around the neighborhood. Like, you know, pushing it in a stroller or a pram or whatever, like that's okay. Like that's kind of cool when people come around. But like when you have the baby attached to you and like you can feel it breathing on you and its little hands start doing its thing, like just there's nothing like that. And it's worth if you it's worth the $500 that you pay or whatever for this baby carrier to have that moment. Um, the other thing I was going to say is you would also, I, I was going to add products that I do not recommend. One thing I don't recommend is a lot of people stress out about buying everything Yes, and having, having the nursery set up perfectly and having like a nursery that your baby isn't going to be in for six months, maybe wait, more, most likely. And yep. the nursery that's there mostly for Instagram. Well, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and people stress out so much about like, Oh, is the crib built? Is the, this built? It's, it's like, Hey, for the first six months or so, you need like very few things to make this work. And adding that on, that stress on is, uh, 
you've got enough to stress out about. Don't worry about getting all of that stuff ready. And don't worry about buying the perfect thing because what's going to happen is baby's going to get there and the thing that you bought isn't going to work and you're going to have to send it back and you're going to have to buy something new and that's not going to work. And then you're going to go through the cycle and try and- Do you know what? So you anyway. are spot on because I think we, we have we have like a big department store here, but you can basically go there and then they're like, they give you a list of things that you need and then they walk you around. And I did it just for pure like entertainment value to be like, what are they going to flog me here? And when it when it got to the end of it, the bill was like 14,000. They were like, if you get all, it's just 14,000. It's like, are you fucking joking me? Are you joking? You know, it was this and they need this and you need to sleep in this. And then when they're in the daytime, it's, and it's just like, I, I, Kit, Kit, our son spent the first six months in a travel cot in the spare room. <laughs> just a travel cot. He's absolutely fine. So yeah, yeah, that's a really, really good piece of it. That can go in the piece of advice list. Don't buy all the crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah. And the pressure is on in that situation to be, be a good parent, right? You got to buy yeah. the, the shit to, to be a good parent because if yeah. why, why wouldn't you buy this? You want to have the best for your kid, right? And it like, yeah. puts you in a weird spot. A hundred percent. I agree. Um, what an amazing conversation. I cannot thank you enough for taking so much time out of your, your, the start of your Tuesday morning. Thank you so much for being so honest and open with us. It's been an absolute joy. Come back. Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing your platform with me and your audience with me. Uh, thank you for your time. I genuinely feel that I could have sat chatting to Blake all day. What an amazing conversation. Um, thank you to Blake. Obviously, eight o'clock in the morning that ends. So probably manically trying to get out the door and get everyone off to preschool. But yeah, thank you to him. And thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I really hope that you took lots from that. Um, it's actually stayed with me. The conversation stayed with me since we had it. So yeah, a beautiful chat. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. As always, we'd love you to rate, review, subscribe, and please give the podcast a little follow. And if you do have any requests for guests on the podcast, obviously these conversations are for you. Please do drop us a DM. We're at Made by Mamas and we'll see you on Friday. Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production. And today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else custom spray five and one only from rustoleum mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 